0: Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 163 of the Mom Hour. I'm Sarah Powers and I am here with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah, what's up? Not much. So, if you're listening to this when it comes out, happy, I don't know, it's like midsummer. It's the 4th happy, of July. Happy, like,
1: week. summer's actually like really here in full force. Yeah, whether or not you're yep. celebrating
0: 4th of July or traveling, it's definitely just feels like now everyone's in summer. Yep, for exactly. Um. Yeah, we don't have plans to the f- for the fourth. I don't know if you guys do.
1: I have no plans for the fourth either.
0: It's yeah, kind of
1: crazy.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um- so. Okay, so what are we doing today? This is a follow-up. <laughs> what is, are we doing? Why here? are you why have you all why have we called to this meeting? Why are you all here? Um we're answering more listener questions. So if you listened last week, we took three listener questions. We're gonna do three more today. And we do this about every three months or so. Um so we love getting your listener questions. We love having them emailed to us, or even better, when you record yourself talking, you'll hear a couple of those. That's today.
1: our favorite. It is our
0: favorite. And I think you guys like it as listeners because you get to hear the voices of i don't know your peers kind of yeah. like fellow mm-hmm. people in our community it's so much fun um so that's what we're going to do today but before that we're going to talk about our first sponsor and that is yeah. young woodworkers
1: yeah i love the sponsor so young woodworkers makes it easy for your kids to actually become makers and builders and do real projects for yeah. you know for kids that aren't these sort of Artificially created things. We all know what those projects are like. And this is not that. This is a woodworking subscription kit for kids. Um, They recommend ages seven to 12. And I think that's really if you want your kids to do it independently. Right. Um, But younger kids and older kids can also, you know, can also participate. They might just need supervision or they might just be a little old for it. But each month your child receives a high quality all-in-one project kit with all of the materials needed to make an awesome woodworking project completely on their own. And they also receive a child size hammer with their first shipment, which is like, it's adorable because it's child size, but it's a real tool. So these are real things that your kids can really make with.
0: Don't you feel like too, the sense of pride when your kid actually does something on their own Um, and sometimes like you said the really kind of cheesy things that you can buy in certain stores um, first of all they always require more supervision than you're planning on absolutely and then a lot of that
1: is like opening packaging I've noticed
0: and then the kid doesn't have that same sense of satisfaction so these kits come with all the materials you might need stuff like scissors and glue but everything else is included and then illustrated step-by-step instructions um, so that they can really follow along and I have eight and 10 year olds who have tried this and really, you know, maybe needed me to help position a couple pieces and hold them down or whatever. But otherwise, we're doing real hammering, real wood gluing, you know, real mm-hmm. stuff on their own. So we love this because we're busy and we love when our kids are creative, but we don't necessarily want to do it all with them. I hate exactly. to break it to you. Kids. I know we don't always. <laughs> yeah. So this summer, yeah. or if it's rainy or too hot to go outside, this is your solution, guys.
1: Yes. And I've also seen that younger, um, Kids on the younger end of the spectrum or even younger than seven with a maybe an older sibling or cousin. Um, yeah. I've witnessed that. It really can still work. So we've partnered with Young Woodworkers to offer a big saving on your first shipment. You're gonna pay only $9.99 plus postage and processing for the first kit. That is a 50% discount. So all you have to do is go to youngwoodworkers.com slash the mom hour to subscribe and get that deal. You don't need a promo code. Again, you just go to youngwoodworkers.com slash the Mom Hour, and you'll get 50% off your first shipment from Young Woodworkers.
0: Yeah, it's a great program and you can cancel anytime. So it's it's great to see if this would be something that would make your life easier this summer. Yeah. um, It's a great program. That Try it good out good.
1: once or maybe your kids are going to be super into it and they're going to want to do it for months and months. Anyways. Yeah, it's so
0: exciting to get stuff like that in the mail. I know. My kids are old enough now where they really like can anticipate like, yes, they know something yeah.
1: is coming. I know. So just do it.
0: Do it, guys. Do it. Okay, so jump in. Yeah. And our first question is kind of a big one. Um, So we're going to play it. It comes from Laura.
2: Hi, Megan and Sarah. I'm Laura, mom of a two and a half year old girl and an eight month old baby boy. I'm calling because our two and a half year old has suddenly developed an extreme fear at bedtime of basically the shadows on her wall, but she's calling them ghosts and monsters. I don't know where the ghosts and monsters came from. I didn't even know that she knew what they were until a few weeks ago when the fear started. And I'm looking for ideas on how to help her basically go to sleep on her own again and not be so afraid. We've tried leaving the light on. That doesn't help because it doesn't get rid of shadows. We leave the door open. We put her to bed, stay for a little bit, leave, come back, check on her, but she's just basically freaks out until she either totally passes out from exhaustion or one of us gives in and stays in the room with her until she falls asleep. Basically, what I've read is, you know, it's just a phase and it'll stop eventually. But I'd like to do whatever I can to help her feel better and to maybe make this phase get over a little bit faster. So whatever advice you have about helping toddlers who are afraid of the dark and bedtime and shadows, I'd love to hear it. Thank you.
0: Okay, Laura. So this is, like I said, it's kind of a big one. I almost feel like there's two different things that I want to address here. Um, One is like, one is the fear itself, because my kids have definitely gone through fears. And I know some of your kids have too, Megan, where it's kind of like, you know, monsters, vampires, death like scary stuff in the night that's one piece of this and the other is just um being ready or willing to sleep on their own and having separation anxiety at night because I think sometimes you can have those sleep issues without the fear of monsters so it's a it's kind of two different things but they're both super common so I'll try and throw some ideas out and then Megan I'm really eager to see what you're gonna say because you did things differently you co-slept and I know we I like that we bring different things to this um yes Okay, so my my first thought for a two-and-a-half-year-old um, is to make sure that that bedtime routine is long enough. So if you need to start earlier for a few weeks, which I know sounds like torture and we're so busy and we're working, so maybe it's not practical but if you can, starting the routine earlier, and I was going to suggest building a couple things into the bedtime routine that maybe are a little novel, something new um, not super exciting to get her all ramped up, but a couple of my ideas were like listening to a sleep meditation or a, like an audio book together something that maybe you do each night that she can look forward to that has nothing to do with addressing the fear. I'm, I'm not yeah. even bringing the fear into it. I'm just suggesting suggesting make the bedtime routine started a little earlier because, you know, there's going to be some back and forth drama and maybe add something in that's like, hey, we're going to try this. We're going to listen to an audiobook together every night that she kind of looks forward to. It might just be a little bit of distraction, but it also can work toward that calming down and not having bedtime be associated with the fear. So that's That's one thing. Another little tip I was going to offer is if she's because it sounds like they have to keep going back in and turning on the lights. And we've all been there, Laura. Like it's not you're not alone. (laughs) No, you're
1: not (laughs) far from it. No.
0: But one thing I think can help with that is if you kind of um, break that separation down into manageable chunks, because remember, this child is genuinely afraid that when you leave, the monsters are going to come out. And even though we know that's not rational, that's totally irrelevant because her fear is very real. Um, so instead of, you know, she's, she's worried that once you leave, bad things are going to happen or you're never going to come back. So you could say something like, okay, I'm going to tuck you in and I'm going to leave the door open and I'm going to go do some dinner dishes for 10 minutes and I'm going to come back to check on you. And when I come back, we're going to sing a lullaby or we're going to read one more story. So you're almost building in short, um, little manageable bits of separation into, that routine so she knows you're coming back and in an ideal world she might even fall asleep in that 10 minutes but they know they know where you are they know where you're going you can leave the light on the you don't even have to tell them to go to sleep that's another thing I was gonna say is sometimes kids get really like they're like I can't sleep I can't sleep and I sometimes will say even to my older kids you don't have to sleep you just need to lie here quietly or you just need to lie here and calm down so those were a few of my first like practical things i don't know if anything comes to mind oh for you.
1: yeah no i love your last strategy i have always thought of that it's kind of like the gradual fake out yeah <laughs> so and of all of the of all of the nighttime fear strategies that i've been able to employ besides just lying down with your kid and sleeping next to them that's been my most successful um here's why it's so successful for one thing Yes, the kid's not asleep, but it's still getting you what you need, which is right. some time. Maybe mm-hmm. you need to do the dinner dishes. And so when you say, "I'll be back in ten minutes to check on you because I have to go do the dinner dishes, it's because you really have to, right? So you're kind of achieving two goals that they're in the bed. Mm-hmm. Um, they're feeling like at least you are hearing them mm-hmm. and are taking them seriously. But you still get to go do the dishes with the kid in bed. They might right. not be asleep, but you're still you're closer to the goal than you otherwise would be. And I have found that that is the most effective one, the most effective way. To have a kid fall asleep while you're out of the room. Right. Um, And not even mean to. And then the next day you can say, remember how it was last night where you were so afraid? And I said I would come back and check on you. Well, and sometimes I lie a little bit like. (laughs) I came back and checked on you in seven minutes and you were already asleep, even if that's a total lie. And it was right. like 20 minutes. Right. Like Sometimes I just think it's like you they need the confidence to yeah, know they like can they do it. Yeah, like they were
0: successful. Yeah, right. absolutely. Exactly. I love that. I love that. How did, I am curious with your co-sleeping toddlers, like how it worked in general if a kid wanted you to lie with them. Did you ever do things like I'm going to lie with you for... Cause you weren't always going to go to bed at eight or eight 30, right? No. And
1: some, well, and I wasn't always co-sleeping with toddlers of that age either. So okay. that kind of depended on the kid and whether they had an older sibling to bunk okay. up with or what, or what they're, you know, I had, I had five obviously. And so some of them took pretty readily to sleeping on their own as soon as they were, you know, like 18 months. Okay. And okay. some did not. Right. Um, so it kind of depended on the stage. Um, Owen was the one who had true night terrors. And mm-hmm. you know, the funny thing about night terrors is they look like terror, but the kid doesn't have any idea what's going no, on. So it's not like the next day they don't yeah. remember. They can't tell and you. And they're not
0: telling you about monsters like this child. No, it's like they didn't totally, have like, yeah.
1: ba- it's not like a bad dream or like they can say, mommy, I was so scared last night. They don't even remember. No, so they don't. that was, and, but the thing about Owen was when he outgrew the night terrors, he still had a lot of nighttime fears, like a mm-hmm. lot. So he outgrew the blank faced screaming. <laughs> <laughs> at nothing which was like a very very stressful and it oh. lasted like over a year where he oh was waking gosh. up three to four nights a week just screaming and we could never figure out what was wrong with him um yeah that was cruddy but once he outgrew that he still just had a lot of anxieties at night now they yeah. were stuff he could come tell me like right he would come stand next to my bed and scare the living daylights out <laughs> of me because he would just silently stand next to me and then I wake up and there's a face like right by your face. And, yeah. You know, yeah, so yeah. Um, in that case, I would sometimes bring him to the bed. Sometimes I'd make a little bed for him on the floor next to me um, when he was really little and was just having a real fear and not like night terror. Then I would sometimes lay down with him, let him fall asleep and go, go about my business for the rest of the night and then come back yeah. and move him. I think for him, it was like letting him, like letting him get into a deep sleep in a place where he felt safe. Yeah. Um, And that's been the case with other, he just stands out as the most, Obvious one. I yeah. know I've had moments like that with all of them where it's yeah. like, okay, you know, this is like I'm just trying to figure out how I can get them the goal for both of us is for them to be asleep and to get a good night's yeah. sleep. So what's the like easiest and least stressful way that we can do that tonight? And so I, I did tend to kind of more often than some parents would be um comfortable with, go in the route of me lying down with them or yeah. them coming lying and down with me. I and don't it think worked.
0: that's a bad thing. Um Yeah, I think so. I want to address a couple of things that Laura said in her question. One, it does sound like they are trying lots of strategies. It also sounds like she knows this is a phase and it will pass, which is great. Um, You might, Laura, want to pick a strategy and kind of write it out for like a week, both for your. For your case and for your daughter's case, because I think sometimes we're so frustrated and we like, yeah. you know, that feeling, Megan, when you're like white knuckling as it gets closer to bedtime, because, you yes. know, you this know battle's coming. coming. And like, so picking one thing, because sleep sleep is so much about like throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. Like, yes. that's just if we ever did an episode just on sleep, you know, baby and toddler sleep. It's like, well, it depends. Like, it depends on the kid. Yeah. It depends on you. But it might be worth kind of, um, I think a two and a half year old's old enough to understand like, okay, we're going to try something new with our routine, whether it's listening to the audiobook or doing this like gradual separation and then really stick with it for a week or something and just see what happens. Because yes, it is going to pass. And I think Laura's really looking for, you know, her her daughter's miserable. They're both miserable. Right. So it's hard. It is hard when you're trying Trying things and I don't know, trying to figure out what works. Um another thing that I want oh, let's talk about the fear the specific fears quickly. Cause I just went through this with Reed, which is funny because he's probably the age that Owen was when you talked about Owen's nighttime yeah. fears. Um so he's older, but in in kind of working with him, I was reminded that like you can't rationalize nighttime fears with a kid, whether they're two and a half you cannot. or eight. So it's really tempting to be like, oh, sweetie, monsters aren't real. See, let me turn on the light and show you. And I think if you're saying that kind of thing, it's fine if you say it once. But you could go around and round in circles with a child who's afraid and no amount of logicalizing.
1: Right. Is no, up, that word, I is well, because help the them. fear is so normal and primal and it's really not. It really isn't coming from. It's not really about the monster. No, right? it's, no. it's something else. Case in point, when I was at least eight possibly nine or 10 years old i had a crippling nighttime fear of a man in a top hat who would stand outside my window and on, st- on stilts that's I freaky. In a, my bedroom was on the second story he looked like an old-timey like um like magician yes with like a terrifying. curly mustache and Why would I ever even think about someone like this? Like, it's not like I was watching old timey magician movies. Yeah. It just popped into my head. And had you come and talk to me during the day, I would have acknowledged this is a ridiculous fear. I am way too old to be afraid of a man on stilts outside of my window. However, whatever was working itself out in my psyche Mm -hmm. just manifested itself in that. And and you could have proven to me beyond a shadow of a doubt that it didn't exist. And I would have found something else to be afraid of. Right, it exactly. was like a fearful time for me. And so, yeah, there's just two and a half, 10 doesn't matter.
0: Right. And the other thing is the fear is really, really real. Like if you as a yeah. mom are afraid of, you know, something awful happening to your children, like we've all imagined, think of how that fear makes you feel like you feel panicky or your heartbeats, you're like, that's as real as the fear that you're, two-and-a-half-year-old is having about monsters. So it really doesn't matter that monsters aren't real. The fear is absolutely real and the feeling of fear. And so I think um, you can empathize with that and just be like, yeah, that that would be really scary. Like, I can tell you feel really scared. And then move on. Then move on to, like, the distraction and the strategies. And you're not minimizing it. You're just not spending a lot of time, like trying to explain your their way out of it because that is generally not helpful i don't so think.
1: sarah i'm curious did you ever do like the monster spray approach or anything like that i, I never did i didn't i'm intrigued by it i know it's work i know it works for some parents i just i just never did so
0: when i read that book the opposite of worry recently and i've talked about it, i'll link it up again what he said about it and i think this was interesting he said for kids who know that it's a game and it lets them act out a little bit of aggression or like Let's them feel powerful. And I'm picturing more of like a six or seven year old, like, pow, pow, let's get all the monsters before bed. He said it can be really um, like cathartic kind of because they can step into that role of power and feel that he didn't recommend it as like actually telling kids that that is really the way it works. Does right. that make sense? Yeah. So if a kid can buy into it as a make believe game and use it to to role play, then yeah. it can be great. Um, but to tell a kid that that is really monster spray, it isn't necessarily going to help because first well, of cause all, cause you know, when it's... the
1: monsters show up, you're going to look like a liar,
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> and they're going to need that spray everywhere they go. <laughs> exactly. um, well, right. That's why
1: I guess that was always my kind of like, it felt a little patronizing or like yes. it was just a band aid that wasn't going to help. But sometimes what you need is a band aid, And if something gets you through if one it night, works, if, it, if works it works for a night or for a month, yes. I mean, hard to argue with that. Totally. So totally. Yeah. Um,
0: and then the last thing I'm going to mention, then we'll move on is that I'm going to, there's a link I'm going to put in the show notes and I won't even go through it, but it was a pretty detailed article with some other strategies for toddlers and nighttime fear. And most of the strategies had to do with kind of prevention tactics during the day. Um, you know, making sure kids are like getting lots of playtime, blah, blah, blah. There's a yeah. lot of like good strategies because so much of sleep is related to what are we doing it carries over the from day. the
1: daytime right? right and if they haven't had a chance to wind down or they didn't feel like their needs were met during the day mean exactly. it all carries forward exactly so. and
0: so i won't even like i said i won't even paraphrase but it'll be in the show notes at the momhour.com and it's from aha ahaparenting.com which is a website that i love and it's it was actually really detailed so i'm just gonna link it up there um that was good okay yeah i don't know i don't know if we solved it but
1: well, but sometimes been things there. can't be solved, right? <laughs> They're just—they have to be lived through. But hopefully,
0: some of that helps. I know a little bit. Monsters in the night. Okay, so our next one's going to be kind of quick and fun. So Katie wrote to us, and I'll just paraphrase her email. Um, but Katie is a brand new mom, so she discovered our podcast like a month before her daughter was born, and her daughter's only a few weeks old. So she has a newborn and she's listening to our podcast, which we love. And they're headed to the beach. I think they're actually going this week. So, Katie, I hope All you're fun. listening. Um, And she just asked if we could think back and think on the logistics and the details of bringing a really little baby to the beach. And I thought that would be Ooh. fun if we have yeah, memories. Um, well, so we both I, live
1: in beach towns. so We, we have do both live yeah. in beach
0: towns. And actually, when Allegra was born, I didn't. But we traveled to Rhode Island when she was five weeks old. So she saw the beach for the first time when she was five weeks. Um, and I do have some memories of that. Do you, does anything come to mind for you? Otherwise I can start and let you
1: think. Yeah, no. So, well, <laughs> this is just a fun one. Just, just know that sand will get in every roll. <laughs> if you have a rolly baby, there will be sand. They will eat sand. Like you, you will. And I, I, how? she's only six weeks. So she's, yeah, not she's old really enough little to, to yeah. cram. She's not old enough to purposefully cram sand in her mouth. But, but she probably places. will still get sandy fingers in her mouth yeah. accidentally. Yep. I think that like you just can't underestimate what a hot mess she will be afterward. Yeah. And just yeah. you have to kind of go with it. Like I'm I'm not a neat freak by any means, but sand and everything is one of those textural things that makes me a little nutty. Yeah. Um. So there's always like a moment where I have to kind of like calm myself down by the car when I'm seeing the kids climbing in with like sand in every crack and i yeah. just know what's going to happen to my car and my bathroom floor and everything else so that's just kind of a silly one yeah um cl- like a big floppy hat is a necessity because it, even though you'll probably be using sunscreen too i don't know that you can use sun can you use a sunscreen on so the je- the
0: recommendation is that you don't but the reason for that recommendation is because they don't want it to be a false sense of security and then uh, have you have okay. babies in the sun so there's actually nothing wrong with with a, a a safe sunscreen on a newborn would actually be fine. The point is they don't want you to slather up your newborn with sunscreen right. and then like have it lay out on a towel. So yeah, you get to I make getcha. your own decision on that, but well, that, right. better. the yeah.
1: sunscreen for me was always like backup yes. because there will be time that you are walking on the beach and not covered up. Um, right. And I actually use two different kinds of sunscreens. And this is actually really fun because my baby, my friend uh, Liz has a four month old baby. And so uh-huh. we've been to the beach with her and like, it all came back to me while yeah. we were there. So I remember thinking that there was like, different kinds of um, formulas worked better for different parts of a baby's body. Ooh. So like the stick works really, really well on their little noses uh-huh. and next to their little noses and like on their little heads. But then I would always just get the liquid and smear it all over their legs. And like I'm visualizing in my head, like having two hands full <laughs> of sunscreen and like milking a baby leg. Do you know what I mean? Like yes, yes it yes. Like, makes that sound. Cause there's like those, those rolls you got to get up. in the rolls. You're slathering it everywhere to smoosh it all over them. And otherwise, like, oh, my gosh, they might not nap. Right. You know, it, yeah. breastfeeding is going to be sticky and weird. Yeah.
0: Well, and I'm glad you brought that up because one of the first things I thought of is make sure that your own, because we think so much about the baby's outfits and the baby's gear. Right. But I was so guilty, especially with my first, of forgetting what I would need. And so right. something like the beach, I would make sure you have a lot of cool, breathable outfit options for yourself because those can double as with a, with a, um, you know, maybe eight weeks. I think the baby will be like maybe eight or 10 weeks by the time they actually go to the beach. Um, You know, you can use that to help cover the baby. You can. And so, okay. So yes, your own outfits. And that includes like a nursing cover. If you need a hat for yourself, like basically just don't forget to keep yourself comfortable because you are going to be like sweaty with a newborn strapped to you the whole time. So you, May as well be comfortable, number one. um, As much shade as you can create for yourself. So we have a, an umbrella, but they have those great little pop-up tent, like beach tent things. Um, And I see those all the time with babies. Do you know what I'm talking about, Megan, where it's like half a tent? Oh, yeah. Yep, um, and totally. just creates a bunch of shade. Um, And yeah, I wouldn't be afraid of the sand. Like a little bit of sand isn't going to hurt the baby. So if you're able to lay the baby down in a shaded area... Then you, then it won't have to be strapped to you the whole time. Exactly, I'm just feeling like and you won't be as just sweaty. Thinking about that, um, I would
1: also recommend a, a real beach chair, the kind that are like close to the sand, yeah, close to the ground. Because you will be really uncomfortable if you're sitting there on, like, on the beach trying yes. to hold your baby or like yes. nurse your baby. It's really yes. nice to have a real chair and a nice umbrella, yep. for you because you won't be able to just jump up and get in the water whenever right. you feel like it. That's either. what so I was going to tell her. It's going to be so yeah.
0: different than what right. you've ever done at the beach in the past. Right, exactly, and. You know what? Build in like
1: plenty of time. Build in plenty of time to get from your car to the beach to yeah. your spot, right? And also just take less stuff than than you maybe think. Like think yeah. really carefully about everything you're gonna bring because nothing is as heavy as that bag that you've been lugging <laughs> yeah. and you're like now you still have 150 feet to go yes. before you can get to a spot and the sand is a million degrees yes. and you're holding a baby and all this other stuff yeah everyone's crying yeah including mom
0: well and that brings up a good point is i i was such a fan of early morning or later in the evening yes little beach trips when my kids were little because the the, that midday like go when the crowds go just doesn't make sense when you have babies i am with kids five eight and ten i'm just getting to the point where we can spend more than two hours at the beach and it took a long time to even get to like an hour and a half, two hours because somebody's got to eat. Someone's got to nap. Someone's got to go potty. There's like so we were big fans of like the quickie morning beach walk or, yep. you know, and you might find I know the baby's not playing in the sand yet, but she might find Katie might find that just going for a walk on the beach with the baby strapped to her. Then she gets to see the ocean and, right. and maybe she skips the beach or like in her question, she said, maybe I should just leave the baby back with the grandparent and go myself to the beach. Then you could do that. Do you know what I mean? Like I was so, gonna re- say, it
1: doesn't have to be one or the other baby can have that experience. With without actually having to spend the entire like you can also go lay around and read a book on the yeah. beach and do that separately
0: yes totally. <laughs> if that's your thing so yeah. i think there's just so many things to think of so I, I, know I know that's what katie was where she was coming from but that's fun and hopefully our other listeners because i'm sure she's not the only one who's doing a first time beach with babies
1: oh oh oh, and that yeah. leads me to one other thing katie i would sunscreen yourself before you yes leave. yes sunscreen yourself while your baby's like laying in, you know, her bouncy seat or her car seat or whatever. Get yourself all taken yep. care of and covered and then go down there. Don't try to do it when you're down at the when you're down there, it yes. just just don't. I'm still just learning
0: don't. that I live where I live. It's <laughs> I often, know. you know how it is here. It's foggy until 11 or 12. And when it's socked in with fog, it just looks like it's never going to get sunny. And you think, why would I put on sunscreen? It's like this thick, soupy mist. And you think we're just going to go for a little bit. And then sure enough, you get there, you get all set up. The kids are wet and sandy and the sun comes out. It's like 80 degrees. I'm like, shoot, right. come on, guys, we need sunscreen. Yeah, so I'm still learning that lesson. Okay, well, that was fun. So let's move on. Um, okay. We're going to talk about our sponsor, care.com, which Katie could use to find someone to watch her baby while she goes to the <laughs> beach. See what I did there? I um. See that. Care.com is the world's largest digital marketplace for finding and managing family care. So you can find care for everyone in your family, from sitters to nannies, but also housekeepers, dog walkers, senior care, tutors, errand runners, my personal favorite. Um, And that could be full-time, part-time, or just one time. Um, So you can find it, book it, and pay for it all in one place. Um, And then with a premium membership, we're going to tell you how to get that. Um, There's a whole bunch of additional great features like background checks and you can handle the payment through there. So you search, start searching with a basic membership. And then when you upgrade to premium, you can actually reach out to caregivers, schedule interviews, book, pay, do the background checks and do the whole thing.
1: Yeah, it's really cool. I have actually used care.com several times for my kids Um, for anything from like a weekend sitter, which are sometimes surprisingly hard to find. Yep. You, if you don't know a bunch of like a big group of teenagers, your friends are not necessarily going to share those dates because good. a yeah. good sitter is a coveted thing. Mm-hmm. Um, And so I was really worried that I wouldn't be able to find good care for my kids. And so care.com is really helpful for that. I've used it for You know, once in a while, sitters, I used it for a nanny for a while. And then I used it for someone who actually came and took care of my kids um, just in the mornings. And the nice thing was I was able to be so specific in Mm -hmm. my request that I only heard from people who were really able to be there between the hours of 630 and I think it was 8 a.m. Yeah, it was targeted. Um, Yeah, it was so targeted. And then I got to say what my expectations were and put a price out there. All that awkwardness that sometimes is kind of inherent in choosing, in in finding caregivers. Um, Right was kind of taken out because everything was laid out in advance. So I really loved it. And when I put in my zip code, I was really impressed to see how many options came up and how detailed their profiles were and how much I was able to learn about them just by searching. It yeah. was actually really impressive. That's
0: great. Awesome. Well, if you guys want to sh- uh, save 30% off a care.com premium membership, just visit care.com slash mom hour. When you subscribe again, that's 30% off when you visit care.com slash mom hour. Okay. Okay. So Megan, we're actually going to play two listener questions because they're kind of similar. Um, But I have to say before we do that, that we get this question all the time. It's one of those where really we've gotten it, I don't know, 12 or 15 times in the last year. And Mm -hmm. so even before I play it, I will just set it up that these are all questions about what it's like welcoming baby number two. And then they kind of they kind of peel off from there. Everything from helping the older child not feel left out to different things that come up. The, you know, how long to wait before having baby number two. But we get, that's probably one of the top questions we get is um, people who've had their first baby and are gearing up in some way for their second. So we're going to play back-to-back questions because I I thought they were both good and then we can answer them both in tandem. So first one's from Rebecca and then you will hear from Laura right after that
3: hi megan and sarah my name is rebecca i have been a listener for quite a while found you when my first was a newborn and you accompanied on many long walks around the neighborhood with her and i just recently found out that i am pregnant with our second Um, very excited about it to be honest happened a little bit sooner than we expected Um, but you know something we were certainly planning on happening in the near future and i am admittedly nervous about welcoming the second child. Um, My daughter and baby number two will be about 27 months apart. So I was just hoping you could speak to the spacing of your kids, what you find has worked well, um, just kind of all of the obstacles surrounding that. Getting ready for the first baby seemed so monumental and exciting, and we are just full of nerves and fear for the second one. So um, I would love to hear your
2: experiences with that. Thanks. Have a great one. Keep up the great work. Hi, Megan and Sarah. This is Laura from New York. I'm due to have my second baby in the fall. I wanted to know any tips or tricks you have to make my two and a half year old feel a little more special when the new baby arrives. Thank you.
1: Okay, so Rebecca and Laura, thank you. First of all, we have to throw a shout out to Laura, who let us know that she just finished listening to all 161 episodes of the Mom Hour like Uh, Olympic level that is and I wonder if she maybe even listened to more and didn't know it because um some of the episodes aren't numbered
0: right like our our interviews are different and yeah so if you actually listen to all the interviews and bonus content I would think it would be close to 200
1: that is amazing (laughs) that is like super fan status Laura thank you so much like we love 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 hearing that kind of thing and it's like really flattering to know we're just part of People's lives like that, yeah.
0: Especially because I, you know, we've come a long way. So I think anybody who, you know, like we weren't stuck with us. Yeah, exactly. That's (laughs) what I meant to say.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I love it. Well, okay. So the first thing I just want to throw out there is, as someone who has had kids, so I, my first two are spaced less than two years apart. They are twenty months apart. Okay. Then there's about three and a half years. Okay. Then twenty two months apart. Okay. And then about three and a half years.
0: Okay. So you've had both ends of the kind of yes. two, two and a half year. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, there's no such thing as a perfect spacing Agreed. Um, at all. So like, I think that sometimes people kind of get worried about that, that closeness. And right. I think that there are benefits to, and I know she's not asking because the baby's already on its <laughs> The way. baby's coming. Um, in both cases. But like, I think sometimes we stress about like those closer spaced babies. Yeah. Um, and, and if you were having further out space babies, there would still be something. you. Oh, have yeah. To and sometimes about. people
0: stress about the further out space. I've heard that, too, like yeah. wanting to get pregnant again quickly because not wanting further out space babies. And I, yes. I, I mean, this is a different topic, but I don't think that's a good reason to get pregnant. I mean, I think yeah, a, no, five no, year, yes. a five year gap, if that's what works for your family, is not a reason to get to have another baby before you feel ready. But that's another. I, yeah. I completely
1: agree. It'll work out one way or the other. I mean, either way, there's there's pros and cons. So I guess one thing I want to say is just a philosophical standpoint um, for Rebecca is really deciding like how important is it to you that your older child has passed certain milestones mm. before the baby comes along. That's a I know great some people really stress about that. Like people really want older baby potty trained or people really want older baby sleeping in their big right or big boy bed you know there's different things that people really want badly to happen and i think sometimes you can get really hung up on that um for not the right reasons. yes and then it becomes like another thing you have to worry about yeah whereas i have now twice found myself with two sets of kids in diapers at once and that i really freaked out before i found myself in that position and then i was like oh well it really wasn't that big of a deal. I just changed, yeah, two diapers at
0: the same time. I mean, and in some ways, it's easier <laughs> than having a newly potty trained kid who's going to yes. regress while you're because as we as we've talked yes. about yes. having
1: an early a newly potty trained child is like a whole different kind of full time job, right? So whether it's like sleep training for the older one or or changing up their sleep situation, whether it's feeling really like really driven to get the older child in their own room or into a different bed or whatever it is, and Sarah, you can speak to this as well. I think you were a little yeah. more you were a little more buttoned up about some of these things than I was. Yeah. But, no, but I'm so but glad like, you brought you that up. You still had to choose, right?
0: Yeah, you ha- you do have to choose. And I think I got less buttoned up as time went on. So I'll just speak to the spacing since Rebecca asked and you went through yours. So my first two are 25 months apart. So a year and a month. Um, and then from number two to number three is about it's over two and a half, but not it's like two years, nine months about between uh, my second and third kid. Um, so in both cases, I was working with a two to two and a half year age gap, basically. So you're so right, Megan, especially because that that particular age of toddler is when everybody's talking about potty training, big kid beds, all the things. Um. And I just second that. I, I would really hesitate to do anything on a hard deadline unless that kid is showing you in all the ways that they're ready, or unless you're very confident that, like, let's say the room using the, the big kid bed or the other bedroom, if that really is, if you're pretty sure that's going to be the best scenario once the new baby arrives for whatever reason, um, then give yourself two to three months to do it and do it in a way that's very gentle on yourself and that toddler. Like, there's nothing worse than feeling like you're up against a deadline to do something that's developmentally hard for kids and really hard for you.
1: Uh, absolutely. Um, to that same end, I know that there's often a lot of pressure to find something for the older child to do during the day, like some kind of a preschool situation or, and and with a, with a two and, you know, three month old, that would be kind of like almost like a nursery school. Right. Right. That, those are hard to find. Yeah. But those like, you know, two, two morning, a, you know, a week yeah, program like Mother's Day out or like a two yeah. Year old preschool. Yeah. So keep in mind that that might not make your life easier. Right. Having a child in preschool does not necessarily make mom's life any easier whatsoever. And all of the packing up and getting out the door, I think. And this also speaks to Laura's um, question about making the two, the two and a half year old feels more special when the new mm-hmm. baby arrives sometimes the things you think will make them feel more special just makes mom more stressed. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't get you the goal you're looking for. Right. Like I would make almost every decision for the first six months after yep. the baby's born, something that's going to make you the least amount of stress, like the least stressed. Yes. Cause then you're going to have time to do simple things. Like your yep. two and a half year old doesn't need the outings. Doesn't need um to be enrolled in their own classes. Doesn't yes. need all that. What they need is like a mom who's, you know, got things like kind of under control enough that they can still sit down and have a cuddle and not be freaking out or like upset because things are dissolving around them. And I think the more, the more expectations we pile on ourselves in those early months, the harder it is to be what you need to be to the older child,
0: Yes, yes, which sometimes
1: goes against what we think. We think we need to do more or add more for them. Well,
0: and because, because, um, Laura asked, like, you know, making the child feel special. And if you jump from that to like, she should be enrolled in gymnastics because that will be something just for her. I can see how you get there. But like you said, Megan, just amen to everything you said. It's not necessarily and quite possibly will add more stress to your life. And it may not be what that child really wants or needs. Right. I want to spend a couple of minutes addressing what I observed with all my kids and then other people's kids and that is how they actually adjust to having a new sibling and this is something i don't think rebecca or laura asked specifically but we do get this question all the time um like what to expect about the you know the older siblings reaction and a couple of things one all my kids act really weird in the like One to two weeks before the new baby arrived. It's like how a dog can sense an earthquake coming or something. Yeah. They start, they either, they'll either regress in a certain area or they'll get super clingy or they'll get the opposite of clingy, like pushing one parent away that is usually their favorite. They just, their behavior changed. And I always thought it was so, like, how do they know? Something's about to change and they just know. And so if that happens, just know that. It's normal. It's normal. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is their quote unquote sibling rivalry reaction, which we have such a limited, like stereotypical perception of what that is like, oh, the toddler's going to hit the baby or like take away its pacifier or, you know, get mad and throw tantrums. And those things may happen, but my, that was not my experience. My experience was my kids were very, very sweet with new babies, very sweet, very tender, but it comes out in other ways. And for mine, it usually came out. With some other kind of behavioral regression, like sleep, I hate to say it because we no, answered a question about two year old sleep issues at the top mm-hmm. of the show. But like a toddler who was sleeping perfectly and had never had sleep yep. issues might start having sleep issues or fighting a nap. Um, they might potty regress if they're potty trained and they might just they just might. Be different in some other way. And you can't, that is not something you can take blame for. This is not bringing in a new baby. Is not something you did to your toddler. I think that's, it's so easy to like pile that guilt on yourself yeah. and say like, I've ruined this kid's life because the behavior that's coming out may not be the most attractive behavior. It may be like yeah. really annoying toddler behavior, but that doesn't mean that you did something to your toddler. I mean, It's just it's just growing pains. It's just family growing pains. And I also always tell people to people to expect it for like, you know, up to three to six months. Like you said, Megan, like so sometimes it's like, oh, my gosh, the older sibling is adjusting so well. Like they're sweet to the baby. Everything's great. And then like the other shoe will probably drop and it just might not drop how you how you were prepared for. Well, right. Because the,
1: because the, the older child probably isn't even looking at the they're not logically looking at the situation like, oh, This new baby came in, and suddenly mom doesn't have as much time for me. An older kid might think that, but a two year old isn't putting it into such rational. So they love the sibling. They think the baby is super cute and what a little sweetheart and everything else. But at the same time, something shifted. They don't quite understand it. They're not getting as much attention as they were, or sleeps have like sleep patterns have changed. The house feels different. Things smell weird. Whatever it is, (laughs) it's not what they're used to. And they're not blaming the baby. Right. Their brains don't really work that way. Right, right. They They just know something is up right. and they also can't understand that now you have these new responsibilities, which make you less able to deal with their weirdness. Right. So that also like, just like we said with the first question where you can't rationalize what, like you can't rationalize away a fear. Yeah. You can't rationalize away regression or right. discomfort. I mean, you, right. you, you, you're, we're just dealing with two-year-olds right. and that's you right. know how they are and they are, they, and
0: they are <laughs> irrational um yeah oh i thought i had i do have one more thing i feel
1: like all the things i we just said were not very helpful but no like, i think at they, least I, they're real yeah you know?
0: they, they are real and the other thing is the two and a half year old wants what what do they really want they want connection with mom and dad and i think that is we 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 put pressure on ourselves to make that look a certain way. And even the expert books might tell you carve out 20 minutes of special time. And that's great if you can do it. And it is, I mean, I recommend it if you can do it, but it's not the only way it has to look. I mean, I felt like I was covered in babies and toddlers for five years. and I'm not sure I carved out special time. I think you just you're as responsive as you can be to the child who needs you most in that minute. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And that is yes. the best that you can do. And sometimes that's a nursing baby and sometimes it's a two and a half year old and sometimes it's both at the same time and you'll feel like a freaking superhero. And right. sometimes you can't respond to anybody and you feel really terrible. But right.
1: You know, yeah, I think that I guess if I had to give one last piece of advice um, during this time, it would just be to call in like you might think you have this all under control. You might be getting everything done to the best, you know, that Mm -hmm. anyone could expect baby might be sleeping. Well, whatever it is out of the bat that makes you kind of feel like you're kind of owning this mom Mm -hmm. of two thing. But the other thing to keep in mind is just like any help you can get will help everyone in some way. So call in those reserves, whatever it is, if it's someone else, to help your toddler feel special for a while. It doesn't have to be you. Yeah. Like grandma could do it or yep. an older and cousin proactively, or
0: proactively doing that. Instead of waiting till crisis. We've talked about that yes. a lot on this yeah. show. Like, or a just, teenage
1: sitter, like yeah. might be the, just what the doctor ordered, like someone yep. to come play with a toddler for a while. Um, yeah. It doesn't have to be you that makes your, Older child feels special all the time. Like yep. that time will come back.
0: It will. But it right now might not be that time. Come back. And I did remember one more thing that I kind of lost my train of thought earlier. And that is, um, it's real tempting to make a big deal of a two and a half year old getting to be the big kid. Like you're the big sister now. Like oh, yeah, you get... no, I and I think, I think we've seen that. First of all, they, they probably <laughs> don't care. It can really backfire because yep. if that two and a half year old is already feeling slightly displaced by a small seven pounder, um, then telling them that they're the big kid is actually probably counterproductive. They'd rather be the baby. They'd rather be the one. So just be really, just listen to yourself as you talk. And I would be mindful of saying things like, um, you're, you know, you're the big kid now you get to do this or like making an overly big deal about being the big kid. Cause first of all, two years are babies. Second of all, they might not want to be a big kid yet. And so I think it can um, put almost pressure on them to be something that they're not feeling like they are they are you yeah. know they're still your baby and so that's just I feel like we hear that language a lot like be a big we girl do. you're the big sister now and so I would just be mindful of that I don't know that it's yeah. super helpful downplay
1: it a little bit I think it's gonna you you don't have to be the one to ever say it because enough other people like random yes, strangers will say exactly. it so you and really never need to state it
0: exactly and, and it's not to say sometimes they really will surprise you with their independence and their maturity and then that's great be like wow I didn't know you could put your shoes on by yourself that was so helpful so it's not that you can't praise maturity but i think if we yeah. hold it out as like this new thing we expect of them it just yes. can backfire that's all yeah
1: and i liked that you know you use the word helpful because i think focusing on helpfulness yeah is different from focusing on big kid yeah Th- those are two very different things um and one seems to kind of separate them from being a little kid yeah and the other is just like Oh, it's just a cool thing that you did. You're helpful. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Um, okay. Well, best of luck to both Laura and Rebecca and probably a whole bunch of other listeners who are about to have baby number two. Because like I said, we, we hear from you guys a lot and been wanting to kind of answer that question in some way yeah. for a while. So, um, nice. okay, Megan, we have our end of show segment called cue it up. And I think, um, you let gonna... me pick this. Yeah. Time. I was like, you do it.
1: Well, because. I have to admit we've done this what like 4 episodes now yeah, I think and I so. kept forgetting it was a thing until we'd get there and I'd be like oh right I forgot we're doing this now so I, know. I think I, I, I forgot me. one time that it was a thing <laughs> um so Sarah came up with this great idea that we would um we would recommend episodes because we know we're getting a, like a lot of new listeners all mm-hmm. the time so sometimes it's fun just to recommend one of our favorites from the archives, maybe yeah. something recent or going way back. And, and not
0: everyone is like Laura and is gonna go binge from the beginning. We know that. We don't expect you all to do that. So this way we, we can love do- it if
1: you do, but we know you can't. Yeah, always, this is right?
0: you have a specific place to go from here. Exactly.
1: So I decided to recommend episodes 128 and 129. Those were from November 14th and 21st of 2017. And they were called Routines, Rituals, and Traditions. Um we kind of we split the focus between the two. Episode 128 was more about um traditions and how they evolve in times of change and I talked a lot about my divorce during that episode and kind of how divorcing, I don't know, just like kind of necessitated that we come up with a, a lot of new ways of doing things and how that looked. And then 129 was more about the smaller routines and rituals that shape family life and make it meaningful. And I think this is great right now because right I mean so many of us are in the middle of a shake up because school got out. Yeah and suddenly everything is different and yeah. so you almost have to create new ris- new routines rituals and traditions or at least alter and modify the ones that you were in. So it's a good time of year to listen. I love
0: that. I love that you picked those. Um, the timing of those was before the holiday season, but there's so many parallels be- with summer. Like I'm just um, up at my parents' house and you know, my kids are up here and my kids really remember things summer to summer now, similar to the way kids remember holidays. So there are absolutely sort of rituals and traditions about summertime and the things we do every time we go to our favorite places and so um i think it's perfect it's a perfect recommendation i love it it is Yay. um so okay guys we're gonna wrap up but we will link up if you just are in your podcast app right now you can just go to there, episodes 128 and 129 <laughs> from november of last year 2017 but i will also link those up in the show notes at the momhour.com. This was episode 163. And, and I will-
1: feel like the next episode we might record together in person.
0: I hope so. We are getting together later yeah. next week. I know we will definitely we'll do some social media or a video or a record an episode together for sure. That'll All right, fun. guys, we'll talk to you soon.